Good morning, church. Good morning. Can everyone please be seated for the reading of God's Word this morning? It's been a good morning. I'm just seeing a lot of exciting faces and smiles this morning. It's a good congregation today, so thank you, Lord. So let's hear from the Word of the Lord from Mark 11, 1 through 11. When they approached Jerusalem at Bethage and Bethany near Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here right away. So they, found, they went and found a colt outside the street, tied it by the door. They untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying this colt? They answered them just as Jesus said. So they let him go. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road, and others spread their leafy branches and cut, leafy branches cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed Jesus said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest, heaven. He went into Jerusalem and into the temple after looking around at everything. Since, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Appreciate that. All right, man. I'm glad. I'm glad to be back with everyone. It's been a been a while since I've gotten to to preach God's word to you. So I'm just so thankful to to be back, and I'm thankful for you all. You know, they say in the old saying, "There's no place like home," and I feel that about the church. I feel that about this church. You know, I I was thankful to be able to fellowship with believers on the other side of the world. Uh, but even on that Sunday morning when I was there, I was like, "There's still no place like like home. There's no place like." like um, the church that I call my home. And I want to thank you guys for allowing me to represent you all to the churches and the missionaries uh, in Southeast Asia. Uh, I don't view that as just a thing that I did by myself. That, that is an extension of you all. I got to bring uh, the love and care from our church uh, to the believers and the missionaries uh, who, are, who are doing work in some very difficult circumstances. And, um, and so I was going not just in my name, but in the name of our church. And so I felt like uh, that was an extension of you all. Uh, so thank you for that. All right, so we're back in the book of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 11. And the reality is that no one, if you're paying attention to the, the, the storyline of Mark, no one can read about the triumphal entry without remembering the prophecies beforehand. So at least three times in the book of Mark, Jesus has prophesied, I'm going to Jerusalem, they are going to beat me, and they are going to kill me. So if you're reading through the, the Gospel of Mark, and when it says they're approaching Jerusalem, this scene should surprise you a little bit. You're like, didn't he say three times that when he goes to Jerusalem that it's not going to go well? 
but he's entering Jerusalem with this fanfare of praise. And even, even if you weren't paying attention to the prophecies, if you read the book of Mark more than once, or if you know anything about Jesus, you know what happens when he gets to Jerusalem. You know that he's going to end up on a cross. He's going to end up suffering and bleeding and dying. So this scene in the, in the book of Mark should be somewhat confusing. And at the very least, there is something looming. That, that, that you can't read about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem without understanding the suffering that is to come. Matter of fact, when, when we celebrate this in, in the church calendar, it's called Palm Sunday. And it's the Sunday right before Good Friday. What happens on Good Friday? Jesus is crucified. So you can't really think about the triumphal entry without realizing that there is something ominous and dark about to happen. And so I, it left me, me thinking, well, what is this scene for? The, the, the Spirit of God wrote the Scriptures on purpose. It's not by happenstance. Why inject it between these prophecies of suffering and the reality of the suffering that's going to happen? Why is this scene there? And I think this is the reason. It is so that we would have a glimpse of the power and glory of Jesus before the incredible sufferings of Jesus. Imagine if you're one of his disciples, right, and you've been following him and, and you've seen him heal the sick and, and you've seen him raise the dead and, and then there's Good Friday and he is on the cross, there could be a lot of doubt in your mind. But you could remember, well, not, not just a week before, were they not praising him? Let me not forget who he is. Because in the, in the darkness, in the literal darkness of that day of crucifixion, it would have been very easy to think, is this Jesus the powerful one that we are supposed to worship? But if they could wind the clock back just a week, they could go, wait a minute. Even in this moment of darkness, I remember who he is. And see, if we're honest with ourselves... It is very easy to forget the power of God in the midst of our sufferings, is it not? There are times where, where, where you just feel like, what is going on? What, what is he doing? Does he care? Does he even hear my, my voice when I'm calling out to him? It is very easy in those moments of darkness to go, where is he? And so just as the first disciples... We have this, this call that when times are hard, we are to remember that Jesus is the authoritative, praiseworthy, all-powerful, righteous judge who saves us. That even in the middle of the darkest hour, we could go, wait, this isn't the only story that I know. I remember a scene. I remember a moment where Jesus was coming in glory. So let me not forget his glory even when I can't see it on this day or this season. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to understand your word. We, we want to understand it. You have written it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You have preserved it for us, and you speak to us this day through it. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every individual heart this morning. That the story wouldn't just be a story from 2,000 years ago, but that we would find ourselves in the story, that we would find your voice and direction to us in this story. So by the power of your spirit, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, when we look at the first part, the first part is supposed to remind us that Jesus has all authority. So in verse 1, it says, When they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever said, Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back to you right away. So they went and found a colt outside the street tied by a door. They untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing? Untying that colt? They answered just as, the, as Jesus said. So they let them go. Listen, that should, that should strike you as somewhat odd. Okay? So let, let's, just, let's just imagine this in modern times. All right? Say, say you know, somebody's rolling up on somebody's Tesla. You know, they opening it up. You know, they putting their luggage in it. Like, they, they about to drive away. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. That's not yours. The Lord told me. <laughs> that, that's not going to go well for them, is it? That now nah, we're gonna see them in jail, right? <laughs> like, like, that's, like that's, that's the kind of strangeness that, that should, should hit you when you read this story. Why, why are they rolling up taking something that don't belong to them, saying the Lord told me to take it? And then the people are just like, okay, what? What is going on? In this, we see something about the sovereign authority of Jesus Christ. Listen, all things belong to him. Because he created all things. Therefore, he can demand use of anything. Now, if they on their own accord would have said, let me get that donkey. Well, no, it don't, don't belong to you. You didn't make it. You didn't sustain it. But if, if someone says, actually, the, the, the Lord has need of it. Well, it belongs to the Lord. The fact that the donkey can even walk is, is a function of the power of the Lord. Therefore, he has the, the authority to demand its usage. And so what I have to say to you is that you would be careful of withholding something in your life from the Lord. Because who does it belong to? The Lord might be calling you to do something. I don't have time. Who, does the time belong to you? The, the Lord might be calling you to do something. I don't have the funds. Do the funds belong to you? The Lord might be calling you to, to speak. And like, I don't want to say that. Do your words belong to you? Matter of fact, there's nothing that, that, that you own or that you have any control over that actually fundamentally belongs to you. It belongs to the Lord Jesus so that when he tells you to do something, you go do it. You see the foreknowledge of Jesus Christ. He knows all things. He knew exactly. I want you to go over there and get that. I mean, I feel like if I was a disciple, I'd be like, Jesus, man, come on. I know you didn't tell me to do some stuff, but you want me to go steal this donkey? Like, you know, like, for real? You know, like, I feel like I'd be a little apprehensive. And then, and then, and then I can imagine he's walking out. Just, just imagine them saying it. You know, he's like, where am I donkey at? The Lord told me. You know, like, the Lord told me to do it. Okay. Oh, oh you know, like, I'm like, oh, snap. Jesus knows all things. He is the alpha and the omega. Therefore, when he gives me instructions, I can trust him that he knows the outcome in the middle and the end and in between. He knows all those things so that when he tells me to do something, I can go, I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but he does. So I, I can go ahead and do what he wants me to do. This should give you courage to obey Jesus Christ. The fact that he has all authority and he has all foreknowledge. You know, one of the things that he has commanded all of us to do, that he's commanded the church to do, 
is to fulfill something called the Great Commission. That's what he gave us in Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Remember, so he's like, before I tell you something, just understand I, I am in control. I got this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because all authority has been given, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the reality is that command is clear and it has been repeated. And yet we have so many excuses as to why we don't want to do it. I think sometimes we feel like Jesus is telling us to go steal a donkey. Jesus, that's awkward. What are they going to say? Am I going to get in trouble? Are you, are we, do we have all of these? these and, and listen, I, in, the, in the past couple weeks, I, 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 I've seen some real opposition. When I was with the believers in, in Southeast Asia, like they are for real, like when, when they are obeying the Great Commission, they are taking real, tangible, financial, and sometimes life-threatening risks. And a lot of times our excuse is because we're afraid of what so-and-so is going to think. What if, well, what if I say that and they don't like it? It's kind of like, what if I take that donkey and they're like, nah, it's mine. <laughs> what, what, if, what if they reject me? What if this? What if that? What if I don't know what to say? We have all of these reasons to not obey what Jesus said about go making disciples. But fundamentally, we need to remember if he has all authority and he owns everything and he knows all that would happen, what is our real excuse? We don't have one. If we remember the one with all authority told us to do it, and everything belongs to him, including you. <laughs> Maybe you don't actually have that much of a choice about the matter. Maybe you should trust in Jesus and then be amazed just like these disciples were. I went and said the thing and they believed. I said, I said, that's Dolores donkey. They said, okay, you know, like, I didn't even know it was like that. But, but because he has authority, we can go and we can share. And, and listen, one of the things I, I, I really strive to do as your pastor is I just want to make it plain. Say make it plain make it plain. Okay, so, so when I'm telling you I want you to go disciple people, I don't know what you think I'm asking you to do, but let, can I make it plain? Let me make it plain. I'm a, three things. It's not rocket science. I want you to pray for people. You got people in your life that don't know the Lord yet. Pray for them. I want you to pray with people. When somebody is telling you about a hard struggle in their life, if you would just say, can I pray for you? I've almost never got turned down from that. Can I pray for you? And then share God's word. And listen, I'm not telling you you got to have like this theological degree. Listen, you can share your favorite verse. Listen, I want to make it plain so that any excuse that you have, you will not have it anymore. And all I'm getting this from is from the life of Jesus. What did he do? We know he went away and prayed a lot. And then when people came to him with needs, what he do? He prayed. And then they would ask him something. And almost all the time, he's sharing scripture. If we could make that our practice, what would we see? What would we see? Listen, Jesus calls us to make disciples, and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be rocket science. 
there are some simple steps we can take. And, and so I don't want the excuse in your mind to go, oh, how do I, what do I, no, no. I want you to pray for people, pray with people, and share God's word. And then when we talk, when we talk about uh, how do I, like if, I, if I said, hey, I want you to disciple somebody, we have some tools that we use in our growth group to do that. It's called eat, read, pray. Eat, hang out with somebody, read, read the Bible. Read the Bible, and we have some questions. What, is, what sticks out to you? What, what does it teach about God? What does it say about people? How can we obey? Listen, listen, you'd be surprised some of the, some of the answers people have. Man, I, the Lord be convicting people, and I'm not even trying to convict people. What did he say? I need to repent. Oh, I didn't say that, but you got it from the word. Okay, cool. You know, like, 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 and if we would just pray, if we would just do these simple things, let's obey Jesus using the instructions that he gave us, because again, he has all authority. He knows exactly what's going to happen and everything belongs to him. We have no excuse not to obey him. So there's going to be times where it looks hard and dark and confusing, but, but we have those glimpses of the authority of Jesus where it was clear that he had power. So but therefore, in those dark times, we go, well, I will remember who he is. I remember his authority. Therefore, I will obey him. In verse 7 and 8, we remember that Jesus is worthy of all honor and praise. In verse 7, it says, they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. See, in this verse, Jesus is fulfilling prophecy. Hundreds of years before, the prophet Zechariah wrote in Zechariah 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout and triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. This is what it says. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. See, see, if Christ filled, fulfilled the first part of the prophecy by coming in humble on the colt of a, of a donkey, he's going to fulfill the next part where he is ruling from sea to sea. See, Christ is the humble king whose, whose dominion will extend throughout the whole earth. And I just, when we read this, I think a lot of times we don't take into to account like the real sacrifices. So they're praising him. They're throwing their clothes on the floor. That's awkward. That's weird. You know what I'm saying? Listen, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know what I want you. Maybe you're thinking about like a road in downtown Greenville. That's not how ancient roads were. Okay? <laughs> like, like that's not how I done, I done been on some roads that you don't want to put you don't want to put your clothes on it. It's nasty. You feel me? Listen, listen, I want you to understand there's a reason that to wash somebody's feet was the job of the lowest slave. Now, listen, there ain't, ain't no exhaust fumes, but there's some other stuff coming out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like if a donkey, donkey's just walking down the street, there's some mess. Okay? And I want you to think about it. They ain't had no washing machine. This is what, like, you, you think, just think about how, how, how sacrificial this was. They're going to lay down, and let's not, let's not be real, they didn't have, like, a, they wanted to have this, this massive wardrobe. They're laying down the things that keep them warm into dirt and disgustingness to demonstrate their honor and their praise for the Lord Jesus. What I'm saying is that this is a costly praise. It costs them something. 
I don't know if you ever tried to wash some clothes with our washing machine. It's hard. It's not easy. And they ain't got no Walmart, okay? They had a costly praise. That teaches us that, that, uh, that we should honor and praise him in a way that is costly. Because that's true praise. If the praise don't cost you nothing, if there's nothing sacrificial in it, it's just something that you do when it's convenient. That's not true. That's not true praise. But listen to what it says in the book of Hebrews in verse 13. It says, Therefore, through him, Jesus, let's continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. So, so, so the author, he was saying, listen, listen, if you're going to praise God in the way that he deserves, it is sacrificial. It costs you something. When does this happen? It means that we should honor and praise him even in difficult times because we remember that he is worthy of honor and praise. When things are going well, it's not that sacrificial to praise him. You're like, thank you for the food that I got, you know. When things are hard, when, when, when you don't see what the next step is going to be, when you're in the darkness of Good Friday, you have to remember Palm Sunday. Say, like, wait a minute. He looks weak now, and I don't know what his plan is right now, but I remember that he is worthy of my praise. It's costly to offer praise in difficult circumstances. And the reality is this. Jesus is worthy of praise whether he is coming into Jerusalem with great honor or he is bleeding on a tree. He is the same Jesus, and he is worthy of honor and praise. See, the worth of Jesus is unchanging, no matter if I got money in the bank or not, no matter if I got peace in my life or not. It doesn't change who he is. So in those moments where it's difficult to see his glory with clarity, in those moments that aren't like the triumphal entry, we remember, wait a second, wait a second, who is it that I worship? The one that's worthy of my clothes being thrown on a dirty floor so that he would receive honor. That's the one that I worship. In verse 9 and 10, we remember that Jesus has power to save. In verse 9, it says, those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. You know what that word Hosanna means? It means God saved me. They are calling out to him. Lord, we need help. We need salvation. And what's interesting is, is they're referring to him as God. God, save me. The people cry out to Jesus to save them. He is the one who comes triumphantly. He is the one who has the power and beloved, even the disposition to want to save us. The scripture says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord, what does that even mean? What does is, what is coming in the name of the Lord mean? Does it mean he got a name tag? That, no, no, it has to be something more than that. There was, there was one time where, where, where the prophet Moses said to Say, God, could you just show me who you are? Could you reveal your glory to me? And what God said to him, he says, you know what, Moses? I'm going to reveal my glory to you, and I'm going to proclaim my name in front of you. And this is what it says in Exodus. This is what the Lord proclaimed about himself. The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, 
and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. So when you hear that Jesus is coming in the name of the Lord, remember his name, that Jesus is the one who is coming with compassion and grace, that he is coming not with anger, but with faithful love and truth. Beloved, there's moments where we don't see his faithful love, but we can't perceive of it, but we need to remember this Jesus is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Who else would I rather cry out to for salvation? You learn that Jesus brings the kingdom of God. He says, blessed is he who comes in the the kingdom of our father David. What is he talking about that? That's a whole other sermon, but the synopsis is this. The everlasting kingdom promised to David is the kingdom of God brought brought to us through Christ. In other words, he's saying Christ is the one who brings life with God, under God's rule, with God's peace. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. I want some of that. Listen, if if I were to look around and say, who do I call on for salvation? Well, I'll look for the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I'll look for the one who's going to bring me life with God, under God's benevolent rule, with God's peace. See, beloved, we have to remember that Jesus delivers even in the midst of difficult times. Because remember, what is the function of this triumphal entry sandwiched in between the prophecies of suffering and the actual suffering? Is that in the, in the middle of suffering and, the, and where you can't see that you would remember, wait a second, wait a second, who is it that we call on? We remember that Jesus delivers even in the midst of difficult times. See, the crowd that was praising Jesus, they themselves were actually in a difficult time. They were the Jewish people under the political oppression of the Roman Empire. And they are out there shouting the praise and the worth of Jesus. Beloved, if they can praise Jesus during hard times, should not we be able to? Can we not confess the power of Jesus to save even when it's hard? And then when we come to verse 11, we remember that Jesus is the righteous judge. He went into Jerusalem and into the temple. After looking around at everything since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now let's just, just pause for a second. I don't know if you ever been, if you ever, like, if you ever went to the store and you saw someone that was just looking around and they worked for the store, they weren't doing the work, but they were looking around. Odds are they're the boss. Yeah? They're the ones surveying, looking around. Is everything as it should be. Jesus rolls up into the temple and acts like the boss. He said, y'all, now we're going to learn they weren't doing what they should be, okay? <laughs> we're going to learn that in the coming, coming chapters, but he's surveying the temple. Listen, listen. in, in other words, he's saying, saying, saying Jesus, Jesus is the one who was in charge with communion with God. You go to the temple so that you can meet with God. That's why you go. And you're like, well, who is the one in charge? Well, the one surveying everything? He's the one that you can go to. You want to be with God, the one surveying the temple? That's the one you can go to. You go to the temple so that you can be forgiven of sin. There's the whole sacrificial system. Well, if I want to be forgiven of sin, I should probably go to the boss, the one surveying everything. Beloved, he is the righteous judge who gives us access to God and forgiveness of sins. 
So in those moments where, where you're like, I'm talking to God, but I, I don't know, I can't, I don't feel that connection. I don't know if he's there. You remember who Jesus is, the one who grants you access to God. And those moments when you feel that your sin is overwhelming you, it feels so bleak and so dark. You remember that Jesus is the one who grants that forgiveness. See, we see a lot of things about Jesus in this passage, that he is authoritative, that he is worthy of praise, that he is a righteous judge. But beloved, this authoritative, worthy, righteous judge died to save us. One of the, one of the reasons I think that, that the triumphal entry is in the narrative is so that we, couldn't, we wouldn't forget who it is that's on the cross. It's no regular average man. It's no weak man. It's no impotent man. It's, it's, it's not a man who just happened to be there because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. No, no, no. He is the authoritative, worthy, righteous judge who willingly laid down his life for us. See, remembering who Jesus Christ is makes his death on the cross all that more meaningful and amazing. See, see, Jesus' death on the cross demonstrates just how he saves us. See, he is the one who had all authority, who laid down that authority in order to save us. He is the one who was most praiseworthy, and he was treated most shamefully on the cross in our place. He is the powerful Savior who embraces the weakness of forsakenness on the cross so that we won't be forsaken. He is the righteous judge who was judged in our place so that we could be forgiven of sin and have communion with God. Beloved, the one who died on the cross was not weak, was not worthy of shame. He is the, the, the prince of all creation. And this one, because of his great love for you and me, he endured the pain, the shame, and the forsakenness of the cross. Beloved, if that's who he is, then this Jesus can be trusted. This Jesus can be trusted. See, when we remember who he is and how he stepped down so low in order to save us, we need to remember that even when times are hard, if this Jesus who was praised in heaven stepped down and got on a cross in my place, then even when I can't see what the next step is and it looks dark and it looks hopeless, maybe, just maybe, I will go, well, maybe I can trust him. I don't know what he's doing right now, but I know what he did. I don't know where he is in this moment, but I know who he is. So therefore, I can trust him. See, we need to remember who Jesus is in these hard times. See, our faith, beloved, our faith cannot always rely on emotions and circumstances. All right? Sometimes I'm sad, and sometimes I don't like the way my life's going. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that resonates with you sometimes. Listen, but, but, but surely there were times when the first followers of Jesus doubted him. I remember, I, I, could, I, I could imagine on Good Friday, they're like... Y'all, what happened a week ago? Y'all remember that? Is he still that guy? Or after he rose in glory and, 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 and see that at the right hand of the Father, I can imagine them going around to different places, sharing the gospel and getting beat and thinking, he did race in the dead, right? Yeah. You, know, like, you saw that? You, I wasn't hallucinating. You saw that, right? Listen, there were plenty of opportunities for them to go, I 
I don't know about what he's doing right now. But I do know what he's done. And I do know who he is. See, listen, we, they could remember moments and truths like the one we are looking at today. And beloved, the same is true for you. When your emotions are going crazy and when your circumstances look bleak, remember who Jesus is. If he was faithful to you in the past, if he was faithful to you on the cross, he will maintain his faithfulness to you even when you don't understand what's going on. Even if he asks you to go take that car. He ain't going to ask you that. I'm just joking. Uh, you know, don't know. They're going to be like, my pastor told me to take the car. I'm just playing. The fact of the matter is this. Even if you don't know what's going on, if you don't know, like, if I, if I obey him, this looks like this is not going to go well for me. All of that, those feelings are true. You feel that sometimes, but you have to remember the truth. And maybe you're here, and, and, and you're like, I don't actually even follow Jesus yet. Uh, but I would say that there, are, there may be things about God that you doubt. You're like, I don't even know if this is true. I don't, I don't even know if he cares about me. If you look at my life, it looks like it's horrible. But I can assure you this, that he loves you. And that the proof of his love is found in his perfect son who died for you. I don't know about your life. I, I don't know about your struggles. And I, I, I'm sure it's dark and confusing. But remember this. That the all-praiseworthy Son of God got on a cross in your place. Maybe you could trust him with your life. And so, so, so Christian, which, which aspect of the character of Christ are you most prone to forget? You think about that, you isolate it, and then you commit the truth that combats that to your memory. So let's say... You know, the apostles, they're like, gosh, I don't feel like he's all that powerful. They need to rewind. Y'all remember when we got that donkey? Remember when we did that? I, 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 don't, I, don't, know if he, I don't know if I can trust him with the direction of, of my life. Y'all remember when we said to that dude, let's get that donkey, and he said, okay. I don't, I don't know if Jesus is worth all that. Y'all remember when they were throwing their clothes on the dirty floor in order to honor Jesus? Listen, you commit that truth to me. And if I can be transparent and honest, sometimes I need help remembering that Jesus has a good plan for my life. Sometimes my life, I'm like, well, this is not, what, what is happening? What is, and, but I need to remember that he is sovereign, that he has all foresight and that he is in control. And beloved, not only do we have something in the past to look forward to, we have something in the future as well. We remember that Jesus, he, he will come back as the authoritative, praiseworthy, all-powerful, righteous judge to implement our full salvation. What this means is that our trials don't last. They don't last. The same one who died and rose again, he's going to come again in great glory. And he will make all things right. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. So, beloved, listen, listen, even I, I don't I don't know who's here. I don't know what you're going through. But if, if you are in a dark season and if not, you're probably going to enter one at some point. All right. So remember this. If you are in a dark season, if you're, you're if you are in 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 in, in this place, we're like, where is he? Beloved, you remember that Jesus is the authoritative, praiseworthy, all powerful, righteous judge who saves us. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your, your mercy. Thank you for the truth about your son, Jesus Christ, who loves us enough that, that he would leave the glories of heaven and, and be shamed on a cross, a cross that we deserved because of your great love for us. Lord, let us not forget your disposition towards us, that it's one of love and mercy. Let us not forget what you have done for us. And Lord, let us not forget what you will do. Lord, give us encouragement uh, to walk in a manner that trusts you, even when we cannot discern what you are doing or where you are. Because that does not change who you are. You are glorious and good. So help us to live lives of sacrificial, sacrificial praise and honor of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.